Hello and welcome. This is Raise Your Average. I'm Pierre Daly, Managing Editor of AdvisorAnalyst.com. With me are Mike Philbrick and Rodrigo Gordillo from Resolve Asset Management Global. Our very special guest is Paul Kornfeld, President of SIA Charts. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. Paul, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you. Thanks, Pierre. Great to be here. So, um, Paul, I think to uh, kick things off, why don't you tell us the story of your career, how you got into the financial industry, and what you've been up to, what you're doing these days at SIA Charts? Sure. So uh, just a little bit about the company, then I'll go into my career a little bit as well. But SI Charts has been around for over 15 years, um, primarily focused on powering advisors across Canada and the U.S., but mostly in Canada right now. Um, and we started off as more of a technical analysis website and really have grown into more of a market intelligence platform for advisors and trying to give them more of the, you know, here's how to create a strategy. Here's where the risk is in the market. Here's everything you need to know, independent rankings. Um, we analyze over 80,000 stocks, ETFs, and mutual funds uh, to help empower the advisor, give them um, the, the information they need to make the best decisions possible. Uh, my career, how I got started in this industry was uh, all kind of related to swimming. Um, my, my boss, my CEO, uh, Jeremy Fair, started this company and uh, his kids were, were actually on the swim team that I was currently training at. Um, on the Canadian national team for a couple of years, trying to make the Olympics and didn't quite get that goal, but, uh, did, did, uh, get quite a few other goals in my swimming career. Uh, I went to Stanford university down in the States and, um, uh, then moved up here to swim. So, and then over the last couple of years, got my CFA, uh, designation and, um, yeah, just really had kind of went all into the financial industry. Loved, uh, love basically helping people. And we really see our SI charts platform as a way to power advisors and help them um, advance their career and also market and grow their book of business as well. So, um, Paul, you guys have spent the last 20 years or so perfecting your powerful process of relative strength analysis for advisors, uh, and their practices, uh, whether it's to analyze stocks, uh, mutual funds or ETFs, um, tell us how it works. So it's a pretty simple concept. What, what we do is we just start with a head-to-head -head comparison. So I like talking about a, a boxing rank or a tennis match, right? You have Djokovic going against Nadal. Who's going to win that battle? We put them head-to-head. -head and, and the secret sauce of how we do that is we measure the supply and demand relationship between those two stocks or really any two investments. Um, and we use point bigger comparison charts, which we'll probably talk a little bit more about later. But uh, that's kind of how we do it and the why our system is so powerful is we do it a lot we do 10 billion calculations every single night to come up with our rankings so something as simple as the s p 100 um, has 10,000 comparisons that we do every single night basically taking every stock comparing it against each other apple versus microsoft which company should you buy well we look at the underlying supply and demand relationship in the market and that underlying relationship is going to tell us, is there more buyers? Is there more sellers for this stock right now? And you can look at that. A lot of people look at one company against itself. And that's really what fundamental analysis is. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm a big proponent of that as well. But 
what it's missing is, okay, how does that compare against its sector, its industry, other names outside of that as well. And that's again, that the power of our system is just being able to do those head to head comparisons uh, between any two investments and also different investments. You can't do fundamental analysis for a mutual fund of 500 stocks versus one or two stocks or an ETF very easily. It's, it's very time consuming, or if you guys know a great system, let me know that can do that. But with technical analysis, you can do that pretty quickly and with relative strength, which is what our system is based off of, uh, we're able to do that uh, quite a few times very quickly and powerfully so that we can with confidence say, hey, you should be in this stock over this ETF over this mutual fund or vice versa, depending on kind of the output. So there's a distinction though, between your relative strength analysis and relative strength indicator in terms of t technical analyses. Maybe you can clarify that as well, just so that it's not confused. Absolutely. Yeah. We get that a lot too, especially when people first come to our system and um, probably the easiest way is to think about perspective, right? If you're running a, a, a race, uh, maybe around the track and just trying to time yourself, that's what RSI is, right? You're comparing it with a stopwatch. Did you go four minutes? Are you five minutes? What's your, your average? And RSI is just looking at the last 14 times you ran that race and comparing it against yourself and saying, okay, am I better than my past performance? Am I trending in the right direction? Or did I eat uh, too much during COVID and, and put on a little weight and, and de decreasing, right? So that's what RSI is looking at, just like one stock against each other, a relative strength is basically expanding that perspective saying, Hey, Pierre, are you a great runner versus, um, everybody else in your running club or expanding that further to a marathon or, Hey, how's your times compare against everybody in the world, like the Olympics. So that's what relative strength is doing is it's taking that comparison outside of itself and expanding it to other, again, in this case, stocks, um, or ETFs or mutual funds, other investments. And, and kind of analyzing you, that performance versus other opportunities. And is there, are there sort of broader indicators from the top down? So, so first of all, this is a great, I, I love how SIA charts really partners with the advisor to empower them on a number of different levels. And I, I want to make sure we don't dive into, you know, sort of individual stocks right away before we get sort of an overarching view of how one might interpret the market itself with your tools, market across asset classes um, and, and ETFs versus individual securities. Is there more there that you provide in that, in that market intelligence sort of dashboard that you talked about that you can uh, share with everyone? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question because yeah, that's how we start every conversation with advisor. We don't get into specific stocks. We we first answer the question of, should we be in the market? What kind of market environment are we in? Is it a, is it a 2008 scenario where ideally if we can all go back, we'd put our money on the sideline and, and stay out and let that ride down to the bottom and invest in what, March uh, 15th, 2008 or something, whatever that bottom mm -hmm. was and ride it back up. Right. So that's what we start with is our, the core of what we really do is, is, is not to chase the huge returns. It's, it's really risk management. Um, and that's, we've been preaching that since the, the beginning. So we created a kind of proprietary risk management tool called our equity action call. And it answers that one question. It just says, should we be in the equity markets or should we be looking elsewhere? So it's a simple kind of green light, yellow, red light kind of scenario. And, and how we do it again is using relative strength, but we compare the, um, asset classes versus non-equity asset classes. So what I mean by that is we take Canadian equity, we kind of group it together, 
we say, hey, should we be in Canadian equity versus fixed income or versus commodities or cash? CAF is a, an asset class. So we look at those kind of questions and we, we answer the question, first of all, should we be in equities to start with at all? So that's kind of our risk management overlay um, from a very, very high level before we even figure out what asset classes we want to be in. We just start with kind of a green, yellow, red, and we help our advisors communicate that to their clients too, saying, hey, we're in a red scenario. It's again, March of 2020, where you know the market's fallen 25% or wherever, uh, I guess probably more at that point, at the end of the March. Um, and, and that's a risk off scenario, right? That's, that's a potentially career, um, you know, empty somebody's pension kind of decision. We want to help, um, the advisor and help their clients understand kind of what market are we in? And of course, nobody knows the future of investing, but all we can do is make those kind of decisions and, and understand when to put our foot on the gas if you're driving a car and when to put your foot on those brakes. That's great. Do you have a, do, can you pull that up? Can you show everybody what you're talking about? Yeah, let's just make sure this screen is working here. Let me know if you can see it here in a couple seconds. Yep. Yep. Perfect. So uh, let me jump right into that asset allocation that we were just talking about. And uh, and this uh, equity action call that I was talking about as well. You can kind of see the full history. You can see kind of when maybe a risk-off scenario was here in 2008. Um, it first went red in January 2008, where basically this tool, again, is just measuring kind of what is happening in the market. And if I look at the rankings on that day, we have Canadian equity five, U.S. equity number six in those rankings. And that's telling us something we didn't know was going to happen, but it's basically kind of saying, hey, might not be the best time to invest right now. Maybe let's look at some other opportunities. Remember what oil and some of those were doing in 2006, 2007, 2008, that's where we were positioned or trying to help advisors be positioned as much as possible. You look at the very bottom of that market and we see again, all the equity classes here um, at the, the lowest ranking of those asset classes, five, six, and seven. Uh, if we look more recently, we can kind of zoom in in the last couple of years. We're currently in a green favored kind of equity action call. Um, we're we're seeing the markets even just this week and last week hit new all-time highs, right? The S&P's up around 20%. I'm not sure the exact numbers right now, right? Canada's not much far, be, uh, not far behind, right around that number as well, right? A pretty good equity market year so far. Um, but we also see the, the equity action call basically go to that yellow zone in, in early March um, and mid-March kind of hit that red zone as, as a higher um, risk time. And obviously... The, the government intervened here without government uh, intervention, we would have seen probably more of a 2008 scenario, but because the, they were so fast in acting compared to past times, uh, obviously the turnaround was much, much faster. So we're obviously every market condition, every basic pullback or uh, recession is different out there. And so our system is continually to continuing to learn and adapt as well. Um, but we also don't just sit on the sidelines. You can see that we didn't wait till the end of April to get back in is starting to get creep into that yellow zone and then fully into uh, the green zone again to get back in the market at the end of April. So again, we wish we could time it a little bit faster as well, probably out there, but uh, the whole system is designed kind of on a six to 18 month outlook. So this isn't a day trading system. Um, we're not here to help people understand what the market's going to do next week. Uh, we're looking at the bigger picture because that's, that's what our, our clients are doing. Our clients are, um, licensed professionals across Canada and the U.S. 
Uh, normally, we're working with uh, portfolio managers or investment advisors, and and that's again who we're trying to help put the power back in their their pocket to help understand what's going on in the market. So we can kind of see where we are today and looking at uh, the asset class rankings. Uh, we still see some commodity strength in, in certain areas. Certain areas we see energy obviously having a very good uh, year with oil up what around sixty percent or so far this year. So that's kind of where our strength is so far. Uh, we see Canada obviously above the other uh, equity classes right now. So this is kind of that second layer, uh, Mike, that you were asking about. Is okay. Let's just look at the big picture. Um, so the first question is answered. Should we be in equities? Yes. The the question and all year long. Um, since the beginning of the year, that that question has been, yes, so advisors have been staying in the market. We want to just give them that extra layer of confidence of, you know, if they're having some doubt and you see how much the banks are still lending out the Fed and uh, the Canadian, there, yeah, some, there's some tapering there, but still a lot of printing money out there, right? So um, we want to take advantage of that while we can. And we also want to have a tool to help us understand when that situation changes. When do I need to pull back? Maybe there is a recession uh, coming in the future. We don't know when, um, but we want to help prepare for that just in case it is a 2008 scenario that um, we all want to prepare for and help protect our clients' money for. So, Paul, uh, sorry, Mike, if you want to continue down that path, I was going to take it another direction, but go ahead. You go, go ahead. I just wanted to, in terms, I just wanted to, to get your view on um, what relative strength is to the world of factor investing today? You know, there's a lot of advisors out there that are have the option of doing this or have the option of e- buying asset allocation strategies that use trend or, you know, even ETFs that are using that uh, up, mi- up minus down factor model, right? That, that momentum-based factor model. It's, it, it's interesting to me to see where you guys differentiate yourselves from the traditional factor models. Um, and um, and you know how that translates into this type of um, of uh, dashboard. Yeah, that's a really great question. I think the the great thing about relative strength is you can really use it to analyze any factor, um, whether that's a market cap index, whether that's an equal weight index, whether that's a factor in itself like value or growth. We can actually run relative strength on basically any factor to help us understand where that strength is within that asset class or investment group or sector or industry or factor. Um, and so we kind of see it as a unique way to basically gather information about where that strength is in the market. Um, a lot of people are just invested in the S&P 500 or the Dow or, or something simple like that, that, you know, if you don't know where to go, just buy a passive index. But what we want to help people understand is where is that strength coming from within that index? Where is that strength coming from, um, from a high level all the way down to a very uh, micro level. So we can think the the power of the relative strength and why it's different than other um, factor-based investing in general is because you can use it uh, against any investment uh, across the board, comparing investments against each other. And also, again, from a high level all the way down to the micro level. So we run strategies. We have a, an affiliated company, SI Wealth uh, Management, that sub-advises with BMO uh, Wealth Management on five mutual funds. We also run some of our own strategies. And we're using this because advisors ask for this kind of, hey, we want to buy a fund that's that's following these kind of uh, uh, strategies. And that's not really what I'm here to talk about, but that's kind of also where you could go with this as well. But uh, to answer your question, really, it's agnostic of what factor you want to look at. I guess it is a factor in itself, 
And then we run a strategy based on that. And, and it, it kind of goes back to the, the, the basic principle of, um, we're not necessarily looking for, uh, I like to use the analogy in sports. I'm a big sports guy. And every year, I think in the NFL, for example, there's the, the weakest team in the division ends up, one of those teams ends up making the playoffs the next year. And that's what everybody looks for in um, investing. You want to buy low and sell high, right? So in relative strength, it's a little bit different. We're not actually telling people to buy low. We actually are trying to buy those winners that have that competitive advantage in their industry, let's say, like an Apple or something like that, that just has this long career of success and, and hopefully sell that stock higher. Sometimes we are buying low relative to its past performance and selling a lot higher. Um, but also on the other side, nobody tells you when to get out of those stocks. So we also, I think that's one of the real strengths of relative strength is that it also has basically an ability to say, okay, this is no longer in favor. We want to get out of this position and uh, cut our losses or, or cut our, our gains at that point so that we don't lose everything and, and uh, stay away from losers that can really drag down a portfolio. So I think that's probably more so the strength of it is, is uh, giving advisors the ability to confirm the stocks or ETFs or funds that they like and also when to stay away from them. Like any other strategy out there, um, there are periods where one can identify as being favorable to the approach and, and other times where it's unfavorable. When it comes to relative strengths, have you guys been able to identify when it's likely to provide the, the best you know, output uh, in, in contrast to other market environments? Really great question. Yeah, I would say when markets are trending or when the trends last longer, relative strength does better. So a really good example is um, kind of resetting this, going back to a, a 2013 type of year. Um, and actually, I'll just, ah, I'll just stay here. But um, U.S. equity was our number one um, asset class that whole year. And any basically a market that you invested in, you made money. But in the U.S., you would have made, if you stayed in the U.S. market the whole year, which was our number one ranked asset class that whole year, um, based on these rankings, you're up 30% approximately. If you're in Canada International, it's a lot less. I think Canada is up about 10%. So that's a good year uh, relative to the average. But we want to raise our average. We want to be above that. We want to find that relative strength performer. So when markets are really choppy and kind of uh, commodities, you know, gold stocks up and down, I don't think relative strength really outperforms those times. But once that next sector rotation has happened, we just kind of saw it with uh, every presidential cycle. It seems like those sectors change of what's in favor. And we kind of saw that with Biden last year. And we're really seeing that this year where uh, technology was the big winner last year, especially during the, the, the beginning first wave of the pandemic. And now we're seeing more financial services and uh, some retail and obviously energy come back, right? And we'll get into more sectors later if we have time here. I'd love to dive into that as well. But uh, I think best in trending markets and trending doesn't have to be years. It can be a, a solid period of time. But I think if sectors continually to change every two to three months, that's maybe where relative strength might underperform in the short term. But I think also relative strength is also proven as one of the three most like foundational elements that have outperformed over the long term. And there's lots of research out there. Don't have time to get into it, but um, it's, yeah, it's really shown momentum or relative strength. However you look at it is, is definitely one of the, the highest outperforming factors there is if you want to define it as a factor. And so um, how do you, uh, so, so tell us a bit more about 
point and figure or tell sure. advisors what, what's point and figure, why is it different than traditional sort of uh, line charts or open high, low close charts? What is it that uh, makes it particularly special or informative? Sure. So I'll just pull up a chart. Actually, I got a couple open here um, that we can take a look at. Something simple like uh, NVIDIA, um, uh, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. So point figure, uh, the, the big difference is uh, compared to line and candlestick, which we also have on our, our system. Um, so I'll just pull up the line chart of this here real quick. So the line chart is just plotting every day. So it looks at both uh, time as a, an input every single day, its price, its volume, and it just basically tracks that over time. Uh, this doesn't really tell you what trend it's on or anything like that. We can also look at candlestick, which will look at the movement within the day, the open high low. Again, this is uh, maybe a little bit too long term. Let's um, look at a little bit sooner. All these are really powerful. So why, why we look at point figure is uh, a couple different reasons. Um, what we like to do is we use this for comparisons, like I said, um, and we look at basically point figure charting signals. We look at kind of what trend it's in. Uh, one of the biggest advantages I think with point figure charting is it's asymmetric, uh, price filter. So what that means is we look at the current trend, which is currently positive for this stock. Um, and we basically give that a little bit more weighting than if it has one down day like today or tomorrow or whenever, um, and we don't overreact. So a price chart or candlestick chart, you'd have a negative thing on here. We wouldn't even plot it until it basically has a 3% or 6% uh, pullback, depending on what percentage that you're using. So we use logarithmic, um, uh, price charting in here and other places use what's called traditional, which is maybe a 50, every box in here represents a dollar or $5 or things like that. So we use logarithmic as a differentiated factor so we can compare it against any other stock at whatever price it is, whether it's Berkshire Hathaway or, uh, Shopify, right? So it, it doesn't really matter or other investments too. So every X in here represents positive movement. Um, and based on what percentage that you put in here, I put in 2%, uh, this re represents it. So we can see that this move over here, um, from about May to July was a 40% move by all these boxes. Any O's here represent a negative, uh, movement. And this was about a 10% pullback. So what this means is it didn't have a 40% move straight up. And the line chart you'd see every single day, but in here it simplifies that it eliminates some of the short-term noise. So I would say some of the biggest reasons um, of why point figure is valuable is uh, first it eliminates the short-term trading noise. It favors the current trend, which is helpful. And you can also kind of identify breakout patterns, uh, support and resistance, kind of maybe where a stock might have some trouble with. You can do that with candlestick turning as well. We, we do that. Uh, also, and probably most importantly, we use it for head to head comparisons so that we can create a relative strength analysis and, um, points. So there's a list of a couple other reasons as well. Don't have time to go into all the factors. Those are kind of coming from us. There's, there's other reasons, or maybe people disagree with that, but I think those are some of the main ones, um, out there of why we use point and figure. I mean, point figure has been around since Charles Dow in the late 1800s. This isn't a new concept, but it's not as popular with uh, traders just because, uh, again, it's, I guess a little bit more old school, but we've tried to, uh, bring it into the 21st century here. Uh, I think you can see here, I think we're one of the first, um, 
systems that I know of to have responsive uh, point figure charting. Uh, we have overlays and indicators and things that you can put on here. And we're working on even more kind of AI functionality to automate support resistance and those kind of things. So uh, we, we love it and, and maybe not everybody does, but you can really tell a certain breakout at this point or, uh, you know, when it hits new all-time highs and see that trend. And, and again, since we're looking at long-term and not day trading, these aren't very helpful for day trading. I would never use these for day trading, but looking at a six to 18 month outlook, which is what our advisors use and what we recommend for advisors as well. It's very, very powerful. Um, do we have time where I can show you a quick comparison chart of what this, what it actually yeah, looks like? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think oftentimes that the, the advisor potentially is going to be using the research of their firm to understand fundamentally what they might want to buy and then how they might want to buy it. They might, might refer to, you know, their subscription with SIA charts to understand, you know, where, where the previous price um, has been where a new breakout would be, where a support level would be, where they might want to put some risk management in place. Um, in my mind, price is just an expression of, of, you know, some sort of new paradigm in a particular asset or price, especially when it's either a new high or a new low or breaking a range of highs and lows. You just, an, it's a new expression and doesn't work all the time. And of course, that's what makes it work over time is the fact that it doesn't work all the time. Yep. And, and so, you know, I think from an advisor's perspective, being able to sort of identify, you know, have the research of the firm identify, here are some of the stronger fundamental names. And then, well, what does that mean? Do I buy it blindly today? Do I think about that? What do I do when I hold it? Do I trim it? Do I put risk management in? Anyway, you've got your comparison up. So yeah, I'll let, I'll back over to you. <laughs> yeah, good points. I just wanted to bring up kind of a, hopefully a pretty big example here. So, um, we go down to the bottom, didn't really mention this before, but this is where you see the time, uh, the, the years here. And then if you go straight up from that, you can basically see the one represents January. Um, number two, all the way up here represents February. So obviously um, the, sorry, not obviously, but the uptrend in this uh, comparison chart represents the first symbol that I put in, in this case, uh, Morgan Stanley. So um, you definitely want to be in, in, in Morgan Stanley over Bank of America back in the beginning of 2009. And then we see that uh, change here at about March. That's the what the three represents. I know it's pretty hard to see on the screen. That's why I'm kind of hovering over it. Uh, and then the trend goes in favor of Bank of America very strongly. And again, every uh, box in here represents a 2% move. So this move upwards was 150% um, in favor of one stock or the other. So you would have seen that in our rankings would be, would be ranked much higher than the other. Or if you're doing just a head-to-head -head comparison, very clear who should be that winner. Now, again, if you look at fundamentals and other things, you might not get that drastic of kind of a difference. They might both look good. Again, 2008, 2009 is a bad example. Let's look more of today. Who's winning that battle today? It's very clearly uh, Morgan Stanley. Uh, it's again in that uptrend in favor. That's what these X's represent. So the X in a comparison chart is not necessarily a 2% move for Morgan Stanley. It could It's a 2% outperformance versus the other stock or comparison. So that could mean that Morgan Stanley over a one-day period or one-week period is up 1% while Bank of America is down 1%. That's just that 2% right. difference that we're looking at. And to create this box um, of its current trend up 24%, that's a 24% outperformance. And if you're just picking two great stocks um, out there, we want to help that, that differential. We want to help um, advisors understand this. So we simplify this chart 
which when we started as a company, we printed these charts out. We had them all over the floor. We were doing those kind of single analysis saying, hey, should you be here or here? And obviously we figured out how to automate it so that the system takes this and, and turns it into uh, a ranking uh, report that looks like this. And, you know, very large report, like something like the Russell 1000, the 100,000 biggest companies in the U.S. and can compare each of them against each other um, every single night. So a thousand times a thousand is a million comparisons um, every single day that we do. And then we also do comparisons to see how was it a week ago, a month ago, a quarter ago. So we're doing over six million comparisons just for this one report because we're comparing uh, past days and movements and all these kind of things. And that's just one report on our system. This is probably one of our largest reports. Um, and then we can quickly come in here. This is a big report, so it might not uh, look as quick, but then we can look at where Morgan Stanley is in this universe. We can see it in 32nd spot out of over a thousand uh, names and uh, much better than potentially a lot of the other financial services. So we get these rankings are a lot clearer to understand than these point and figure charts that I was showing earlier, but this is the foundation. That's that that head-to-head -head comparison that I was talking about. And now we just do it 10 billion times. And, and do you, I mean, that, that sounds like a lot of information and some information overload. So I'm, I'm assuming that you'll go through for um, uh, the staff at SAA goes through the charts in some way and prepares some reports that maybe catalyze and crystallize some of what um, you guys are observing for your advisor network of clients. Yeah, absolutely. And so all that I just showed you was the, the how we do it. And then, yeah, we try to simplify it in, in two different ways. We already talked about the asset allocation page. I'm just jumping there again to kind of reiterate. Uh, we look at the overall equities. We look at which equity we, sh we should be in. And from this, we understand that, hey, we should probably look at Canadian equity and U.S. equity as, as the two places to be. There's definitely opportunities internationally as well, but we want to stay in North America. There's definitely some good opportunities here. And that's where our, our database is. That's where we're focused on. Um, but from here, we can take it a step further. If I click on the uh, Canadian, actually, I might as well go to Canada here. If I click on the Canadian asset class, we can then understand, should I be in large cap? Should I be in small cap? Um, same thing on the U.S. side. Uh, if I wanted to look at U.S. a little bit more detail, we can understand, should we be in large cap, mid cap? Should we be in small cap? Small cap is definitely not leading the charge, right? Um, it's, it's an area that is potentially underperforming. We would rather be in, in large Area values definitely made a, um, a run up here where it's been underperforming for almost a decade. It's definitely been in favor over the last couple of years, but you can still see a big difference between mid cap value and large cap value. So that's again, an area where we can um, almost rank those sectors or those cap sizes pretty easily and help focus where attention should be. From this kind of high level screen, we jump into the reports and I kind of showed you a sample of that. Maybe I'll go to the TSX 60 just for easy use of names here. And we can now compare the 60 biggest uh, companies in Canada against each other and see where those best opportunities are. So each of these is doing those head-to-head -head comparisons against each other. And then we get a nice, easy ranking system that tells us that, hey, we should be looking at National Bank right now. Um, all the banks um, obviously came out with really... Uh, amazing earnings last week, uh, CIBC, Bank of Montreal, Royal Bank, uh, all these are again are in our favorite zone. And you can see over the month change, they've all been in here over the last month as well. So we've been able to capture that 5.8%, um, hopefully outperformance in the markets and, and some other names like that too.
by just helping people understand where those that strength is within whatever market they want to look at. So uh, we have market cap reports and sectors, right? If you really want to dive into the financials area and learn more about how does National Bank rank against maybe all the financial names in Canada, basically you could go buy that ETF or you can look basically within the components of the ETF and, uh, oh, maybe we should be in Go Easy instead of National Bank. Uh, what do they do? I guess they're a little bit more retail focused, but they're on that financial side. And um, I think, you know, I have some analysis on that company if we want to dive into it a little bit later, but up uh, 270% or something over the last, or 200% over the last year and 270% in one of the models that was in on our system. Wow. And so what would be the further, what would be the, what would be the further uh, research you have on Go Easy? Sure. So any of our, 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 our stocks, basically we have a, what we call a five second analysis and you, you just click on that stock. You'll, you'll see it here. We have two scores that we automate, um, for the user, this top green score basically shows you how it ranks versus all other reports on our system, any universe, any index that it's in on our system. Then the S max shows the, the short-term outlook. So I'm just going to navigate to, um, this chart that I have kind of pre-populated. And if I go to the summary tab. Um, we get that kind of analysis again right here. So we see that its long-term outlook basically says that it's ranked number one or two in almost any report it's in, whether it's kind of the financials report that we just looked at, whether it's a dividend kind of more based report, um, whether it's combining a, a custom report that I made on the system, combining U.S. names, Canadian names, and other dividend names. So we can kind of do that analysis and we get a kind of one thumbs up from a long-term and a two thumbs up from a short term. So without looking or analyzing the chart, we basically give them kind of a green light across the board uh, for that stock and kind of paint that picture a little bit more. Uh, what I did was I was able to show you kind of that green favorite zone in, in, in an overlay. So we have this ability to overlay uh, any report that it's in our system. Um, even the, uh, I'll show you kind of what this looks like as well. Um, we talked about that risk management tool here earlier. We can even overlay that on the system and see, okay, when was our system saying to buy stocks and when to stay away from it? So here's when it went yellow. Here's when it went red. So even if you just use our system to say, oh, from a risk management standpoint, this is basically telling me to get out somewhere in here. And it dropped from 55 all the way down to uh, 23 at that time point. And yeah, it had a bounce back, but we didn't wait all the way to that time period. So that's that kind of overall risk management tool. You can see it in action. You can see how it's adding value, protecting to those, um, cutting those losses short, hopefully, and then also giving you some confidence to get back into the market. Um, then if we look at, sorry. How do you, yeah, just, just before we move on there, because the, the, go back to the, 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 the slide where you're changing the colors. So how do you help advisors get their head wrapped around one, mask a two-parter, so one, we have this car company now that is a 10 bagger, right? And, and it's gone from 20 bucks to 200 bucks. So it still ranks well, and that's going to be a real difficult thing for many advisors to handle. Yep. And then the, the other part of that, and maybe we'll, well, it, it's, you know, sometimes you see the yellow at the very beginning of this chart. Yeah. And so there is whipsaws that come around. Mm -hmm. So one, how do you, how do you help? advisors get their head around buying things that have done really, really well and not worrying about that. And 
the other side of the question is how do you behaviorally help them deal with all the whipsaws that come with some of the some of the actual discipline nature of using a trading system like this where you're you're actually got to pull the trigger and i know rodrigo's got a fantastic story about when he started in the business and i'll let him share that in a, in a minute yeah so great question um i'll answer the first one of like why would you buy this stock when it's already up 200 percent this year right um mm. And right now it's trading around 191, 192. Don't know what it's up today, but you know, you could have made that. We could have the same conversation at 85, where okay, it's already a, a four bagger. Why would I buy it? Okay, well now it's a five bagger a week or two later. Now it's a six bagger, seven bagger. So we don't know if it's going to be a 20 bagger down the road. We don't know where that that's going to stop that momentum. It absolutely could stop right now. This could be the top. Uh, you guys look really smart and be like, hey, I'm selling this right now. I'm going to short this, right? But in our system, what we look at is we look at that overall trend. We look at that comparison, like I said, versus all the other areas. Um, and we also try to build a diversified portfolio. You're not just going to be 100% into this. You're going to be probably a national bank. You're going to be in some of these other stocks we're looking at today or or in, in ranked in the reports, right? So uh, this is one example of where we try to say, like, we don't know where this is going to end. We're not expecting this to double again, per se. But hey, if it's up 20% since you buy it and the market's up 10, hey, we raised your average, you're outperforming, you are, uh, that's a win for us. So I guess we we set our expectations differently. We don't look so much for entry and exit points, even though you can do that on point figure charting. We look at a relative, um, you have to put your money somewhere. That can be in cash, that's a decision, or it's going to be in the stock market or in stocks like this. So would you rather take a a chance on a go easy or a Shopify or some of these companies that continue continue to outperform the market and maybe have a competitive advantage that they're still uh, growing with. And that's kind of what we look at. We say, yeah, we would rather bet on Djokovic or Nadal out there to win the next major in tennis than some Dennis Shapilovo or, you know, somebody else out there that maybe is a, a bigger bet if you forget the betting side of things. But um, and Andrea, yeah, who pulled it off, man. She pulled it off once. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we wouldn't have necessarily bet on her, but she did the tournament before. Yeah. So she would have ranked a bit yeah. high in her system going in. Fair enough. Paul, can you, can you um, just clarify, just, I know you already said it, but just clarify again, like the green indication, it's not green. It's green for today, but it's green for today for what period of time forward? Sure. So same for, and the, sorry, the same for the, uh, yellow and red as well. Right. But go ahead. Yeah. So all we're showing here in this kind of chart overlay, is basically the same thing that we're looking at these reports. We're just basically saying like, uh, how long has it been in the green zone? We also can look at this just by seeing the actual rank in the report. So you can see it's been number one over the last quarter. Uh, and I can go back further. It, it just hasn't actually been in the TSX 60 that long or this financial report that long. But if I look at another report on here, we can see that it's been in the green zone of that report relative to its peers. So this is a dividend report. So it moved to the green zone of that dividend report at 40 bucks. Um, I don't know if we would have bought it at that point, but that's, it looks nice in our system here. But even if we waited till it hit new all-time highs at about 80 bucks, um, it still has doubled since then. It's still been basically ranked number one in this report. So I can actually hover over the chart and see its rank. And this is where it was ranked number one before it broke out to new all-time highs. Um, and so we probably would have been buying it within this strategy. And like I said, we do have a um, an SI model kind of showing this in reality. And this kind of 
simplifies this all for clients. And, and this is how we kind of eventually get to this with advisors. So just showing up a basic five stock model of, hey, what if we put this into action? What if we actually put our money where our mouth was in a way and said, you know, when did you buy uh, Go Easy? So we're up 271%. Um, I don't remember the date that it bought it. I'd have to go look, but um, you can see that out of these five stocks in this strategy, which is just looking at a kind of combined dividend report, two of them have been huge winners. And the other three, we're trying to find that next go easy, that next TFI international. So we have two that are maybe more recent trades. Um, I can see kind of recent trades in here as well, if I click on it. So we just bought Labrador. Um, we just bought ECN. So again, not all of these are winners here, but we're looking at those. So some of these are newer positions and some of these are really probably <laughs> showing that big outperformance. So this strategy is up 47% this year versus the market at about 18%. And obviously it's coming from those two bigger winners. So with relative strength, again, we're never gonna buy the whole market. You can do that. You can overweight different sectors or overweight different names, but if you're buying kind of more of a concentrated position, adding that as a sleeve within your portfolio, these are kind of the outperformances that we hope to have. And you can see that not every year, not every time period will we outperform, but over the long haul, uh, compound annual growth rate in this strategy is up 17.5% versus the market at 6%. So almost any year, that, that sounds like a pretty good strategy. And you can even see the risk management in action here. If you kind of look at uh, the bigger drop in the market versus, you know, kind of a smaller drop, we didn't time that perfectly either, but you can see it in 2008, 2011, 2020 here as, as well, and kind of see that in action. So not every strategy is going to outperform every time period, but this is why we, we sell relative strength. This is why I'm a big proponent of is because you get these kind of monster years. You get some of these strategies that can really turn your whole uh, book of business around or help you market that to your clients. Say, hey, I'm analyzing the whole TSX market helping find some of the best names out there. And yeah, we do want to chance it, go easy. So it's a little bit harder to sell, like you said, Mike, getting into this right now, but hopefully with the strategy, you're not getting into it now. You would have already been in it had you heard of it, or we're going to help you find that next stock like that, that next Magna, Valiant, you name it, lots of examples. You've got some risk risk management in there too. And and again, Rod, I mean, it, I think it's uh, apropos the, your story from your get out story and, and, and maybe asking uh, Paul how he helps advisors actually pull the trigger. I have so many of them, Mike, maybe help me pinpoint which one you want me to tell. Well, no, the one, the one where there was a, there was the sell signal that just wasn't taken prior to the, uh, prior to us. I think it was an, opening. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So it was, uh, your, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those, um, when I, when I got into the business, there were a few advisors around me and, um, one, one of the advisors that built a pretty decent business built it on moving averages, right? That it was the, uh, 10 week and 40 week moving average. And you can see all the charts. You can see how it works. It's a different version of momentum, you know, momentum trend, relative value. They're all the same. You need some you need some nice trendy things to happen, but ultimately I think the the biggest value comes in being able to get out at the right time, right? And that generally is when there's a crossover in the case of point and figure charts, you know, it's when you have that, that I can't remember if it's the X's or the O's down, you start managing risk on the downside. And, um, but the problem is with these longer versions is that you go decades without having, like, look, look at that line right there that you're showing, right? You got, you got the price movement, 
hovering above a certain moving average. So you go, you can go a decade or more without ever having to pull the trigger where you're talking about your risk management. Yeah. You know, it's everybody buys into it. You buy into it. Your, your clients buy into it. And then August of 08 comes along for Canadians because this happened earlier in the U.S. And I start seeing those triggers. Now I never used it, but I called up the advisor and I'm like, so are you, got, are you getting out? And he's like, well, you know, it's uh, pretty aggressive. I, I'm going gonna, gonna to watch it for a bit, see what's going on. I'm not sure this is, a, this is a, a good signal or not. Of course, it never went back up, right? It just, it decimated his book. And the whole thing led to... Uh, uh, 10 years worth of stories, 10 years worth of buy-in. And then within a week, it was all gone, right? So the, the discipline required to do this as a sole practitioner is, I mean, I don't blame anybody that can't pull the trigger, right? I mean, I got to tell you, like, even with, even now I have my own personal portfolio on the crypto side. I'm like, this is, I know exactly what I'm going to buy. And then by the time I came to buy, I'm like, I'm not going to buy here. Like I'm a professional. I've been doing this my whole life, right? It's so tough to do. So the question is what resources, I guess, are required, have you seen are required in order to get people to actually do what you do, right? Because the second story is just a quick one. Is, uh, uh, is it Greenfeld, like the, the little book uh, on um, bull markets where he talks about the magic formula? Where he oh, goes, oh, green, green, black, green, black, green, green black, right? Yes. Where he, green he black. says, here's yeah. the formula or I can execute for you. And then the experiment pa passes through. And when he executed, he did significantly outperform the S&P, did exactly what he expected. And the people that executed themselves either did or didn't take the signals underperformed drastically, right? So what do you guys do to deal yeah. with that? Because that's going to be the biggest pain point. Yeah, absolutely. And we... We first try to empower advisors. If they want to do it themselves, they can't, right? Uh, I think one of the benefits of our system is what we try to do is why we have some sample models here is just basically proof of process. We don't expect people to follow this, but if they want to, they can. Uh, you don't see a million strategies in here. We are going to be adding to those over time based on user feedback and things like that. But um, what we really try to do is we try to customize it for the user. So when I first talked to an advisor, we, we, we have a three-week trial in our service, and we usually book kind of two online demos with them. So we first kind of go through what I already did with you. Here's the top-down approach. Here's what we do. A lot of people are believers, right? They're like, okay, well, prove it. Okay, well, here you go. Here's, a, here's an example of if you just, this bottom one, just follow the equity action call and asset class rankings. It's not even trying to outperform the market. It's just the risk management. Does this work? And the short answer is uh, not every year. It's not intended to outperform. But yes, based on risk management, uh, like here in 2008, we're going to outperform in the long run just, just from that high level kind of add-on uh, tool versus the market. So it's doubling the TSX if you just would invest in that over time. And that's just in the index, live in an ETF with actual fees and those kind of things, right? So just trying to prove a point that it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to do what you said. It's not easy to pull the trigger. I know when I first started selling the system, I had to put my money where the mouth, my mouth is and one of our coworkers did as well. You know, he was kind of telling me, he's like, I had to buy Valiant at a hundred or whatever. It already doubled. And then I sold it at 150 and I didn't even follow your system. And it went up to 240 or something after that. Right. So, uh, let's go back a couple of years now, but, um, that's, that's, that's so true with advisors. A lot of the, the people that we work with, they, again, we want to help customize it. So we have the ability to basically create their own custom portfolios highlight their key holdings, create their benchmarks, automate that system, set up alerts, all those kind of things, set up custom models, 
but some people, like you said, they just can't pull the trigger or they, they doubt themselves. So we also, like I said, have some model strategies or we have a wealth management division for a, a reason because people have trouble actually pulling that trigger. Hey, I just want a 15 stock Canadian strategy. Great. ZFN is listed on the TSX. Go buy that or go buy um, another strategy like that, ZFC or something like that. So um, that's that's why that's been created is for advisors like that. But also we just try to help them understand, hey, maybe don't change your whole book of business. Maybe let us help you on the sell position or when to get out. And uh, everybody knows which losers are dragging down their portfolio. So we just give them that discipline that they maybe are having trouble finding elsewhere. Because there's there's a lot of buy research out there, right? The, the um, You guys know this, but the research out there, there's always going to be more, here's what to buy. There's very few, here's what to sell because those companies don't get that um, funding or the, those analysts, uh, they, they're not popular with them. So we're agnostic. We we just have a simple uh, ranking report of the S&P 100 or whatever index uh, you want to create, whatever universe. Uh, we have scanning tools to create that. And it's just simply like, hey, I don't, know if you shop at Target or not, but it's ranked very highly in our system. We like it. There you go. Right. It's it's that simple. Or again, what's more important is helping them identify why are you in Intel right now? Why are you in AT&T? These are the ones dragging down. These are great companies, but they're not what you should be investing on right now. And also potentially we will like them in the future. So we, we change our opinion based on where they are, their rankings, based on where these companies are with their cycles. Uh, not every company outperforms every year. So we want to help find who those new companies are. And then next year, it'll it'll be different. So yeah, when I mean, we... it helps you to be... <clears throat> I was going to say, yeah, it helps you to show the value of being agnostic, right. really. Like you mentioned Valiant before, Paul. I, I recall, uh, you know, the case study that you guys did showing where you were actively... Uh, recommending an exit uh, at the at the downfall of the company, and um, I thought that was pretty that was a pretty relevant story to tell from a risk management point of view because of course a lot of people got taken in by Nortel as well when when Nortel you know kept on dropping and dropping and dropping and people were still buying it or buying trying to buy the dip. Um, you guys actually actively. Uh, spoke out against or wrote against, uh, recommended against Valiant. Maybe you could talk yeah. about that example since we were right. talking about Go Easy. Yep. <laughs> you just download this real quick and it'll be full screen. Um, yeah. So here's a case study that we did on Valiant where um, probably this, this top chart is all we need to see. So this kind of shows you from 2015 to middle of 2017 where we really liked Valiant for about um, what is this two and a half year period. So we would have bought and hold. It would have looked like a lot of other people's books, but we wouldn't have sold it or trimmed it really. And guess it's always up to the advisor uh, over that period. So to uh, a really nice um, 200% basically return. Then we would have pulled the trigger here and got out of it. Then got back in some point here up 83%. And this is the real value. These are anybody can hit on, on stocks, but, uh, I do remember sending this out. I think I was at a conference um, and I was like, I got to go to this um, announcement and, and all these uh, daily stock reports uh, are actually on advisor analyst and you can go see the history and the, and the charts. You can search for Valiant on SI charts. There's a channel there too. So you can actually see this um, 
in action and um, hopefully find some future ones. But this is down 93% since that time. Since then, it's, you know, name change, different company, all the rest of it, whatever. But uh, this one kind of really paints that picture of, of when to get out of it. So this has all the details of uh, when it um, got in, when it got out, we did that analysis. But just, yeah, a couple of these really put those um, points home for me of like, you can see this on this chart, this line chart here. Uh, this was the high at, at 340. Then uh, we sold it at uh, 265. So we had already, if you'd bought right at this top, you'd be pretty mad at, at our system saying, okay, I just lost 80 bucks. Uh, that's terrible. But there was, you know, Hillary Clinton came out and spoke against this company the next day after we wrote about it and those kind of signals. So these are the portfolio destruction kind of stocks that unless you have some kind of system to help you understand when to get out, whether that's a moving average crossover, like you said, Rod, or whether that's another, uh, there's lots of technical indicators that would have got you out at this as well. Uh, but what we do is we compare again, value versus other opportunities and not only get you out of this and hopefully into uh, a new company like Magna right after this or, or something like that, that again, has a double bagger instead. So not only do you save that 90% downside, you're hopefully putting that money back to work in a better company going forward. Right. So can I go back to sole practitioners and people using the tools in order to make their own trading? Um, you know, whenever you see somebody offering some sort of signal uh, sending, you're able to show in an ideal scenario what you could have done, entered, exit, and whatnot. Do you guys provide some sort of guidance or understanding of slippage and trading costs in your analysis for the advisors? I mean, I imagine there's a handful of broker dealers out there. You know roughly how much they're being charged per trade or, you know, what the slippage is on the stocks that they're trading. Is that kind of just a discussion that you guys have or is there some sort of metrics that you provide? Yeah, so I think we're a little bit more high level where we don't control or really get into the exact trading price that a client maybe got in or the fill price and, and that kind of slippage. But um, I, mean, I guess it's all an opportunity cost is what we look at is you could be in this or you could be in this other company. So again, pairs trading or those kind of things are really good at helping you find which which of these two companies you should be in. Um, and in the, from a macro level, we I think it's one of Pierre's favorite areas of the website is is our models where this is where, again, we have power advisors to help uh, track their strategies, right? So if we're just basic 15 stock strategy in Canada, we can help them um, basically see the performance. We do have risk analytics where we can see how many winning months versus the the benchmark, what's your average gain, standard deviation chart ratio. We're literally coming out with more metrics this week on uh, turnover, average turnover, trailing trail. 12 month turnover, um, correlation, a max drawdown, just more analytics, just in general to help the advisor understand the risk of their model as a whole. And then we can also look at that in the individual level within the stocks right above it. So we can understand, um, the stocks that they're holding and we have the ability to customize the view of any information that you want to see. So if you want to see the, um, uh, the alpha, the beta, the standard deviation, of each of the stocks, you can do that here, the portfolio section. Um, so yeah, I think we look at it from a whole because that's really what advisors are, are trying to figure out is, okay, how does buying home capital group or whatever stock they're looking at compared to other names? And also what does that look like as a whole for my strategy? And again, I don't even think this is a model that's kept up to date. It's just an example um, uh, of a, a strategy. So we, 
we have the ability to buy and sell. So they put their, their fill price in uh, when they do it. Um, so very simple. Again, this is, <laughs> should have looked at a better strategy here before, but we really simply just wanted to sell uh, this holding. We can come in here and we give basically the range of, of the day or the mid price or the average. So again, we have done some analysis to answer your question of, okay, let's just take the lowest price of the day with this strategy and see how it works. But worst case scenario, right? Or the average or mid and either of those kind of things. We can buy U.S. stocks in this Canadian model. We can um, we can buy stocks really easily as well. And, um, you know, whatever you want to buy in here. So, yeah, we try to make it as simple as possible for advisors to basically update their their book. We're looking at automation in the future too. So if they're using a national bank fidelity backend, trying to get access to that so that this is automated in a secure way uh, for all their trades that they're doing. Th those are the kind of things that I'm always trying to do as president of the company is take this even better. How can I save advisors more time? How can I create their uh, hope we're doing that hopefully on the research side and we are really moving to the, like I said, market intelligence platform of, okay, one of the things that they're struggling with is a marketing, they want to grow their book. We invested in a new marketing builder that helped tell their story, create newsletters really easily, talk about a stock on their, their model like this, or create really powerful reports, um, different templates and customize this. So, you know, we can create templates like this. You can change logos. We have colors automated for the system. We can see month by month performance drawdown analysis. Uh, we have basically all these different widgets to customize this for the user um, and add that in and in, take away call-ups, all these kind of things. So we've really tried to, again, empower the advisor to help tell their story. We want them to grow their book of business. We don't deal with the trading costs and slippage and those details as much, but we want to instead empower them to grow. And, and we're looking for new ways to hopefully um, partner with them on maybe they need planning software or other things like that. There's so many other things that they're using for research out there that we're also trying to uh, think of new ways to, to help the advisor. And uh, I think the models is probably our most powerful feature of the whole system um, and definitely an area that we're going to be spending a lot more time improving and um, setting up constraints, objectives, and lots of other things. Pierre loves talking about this tool, so don't get started. Um, so Paul, like when an advisor comes on board, you know, when they finally decide and they bite the bullet and, and you know, you, you, the advisor obviously is looking for something to empower their business. And, you know, you've got a new, you've got a new subscriber to your service. So you each have your mutual objectives, your, your mutually, uh, your, sorry, your mutual, uh, objectives of, of staying with one another. Um, what do you do? Like what's, what's. What's the easiest, did you, I think you might've said this already, but what's the easiest way to start using something like this right away, as opposed to signing up and then, and then sort of fizzling out after the first month, because you didn't know where to begin. There was information overload. Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I, I do think we get that and, and you get that with any tool, right? If you use, I don't know, it's Salesforce CRM or something, there's so many powerful tools and maybe only use 5% of it. So what are you paying for the rest of it on it? Our system can be the same way where there's all these powerful tools that are built, um, but maybe they don't need a marketing tool. They already have that down. They already have their system great. Well, and we, we try to basically show the value of, hey, even that one trade, that Valiant trade, that GoEasy trade that we talked about today or NVIDIA or, or even just buying a, a bank 
the national bank over CIBC or some kind of pairs trade like that, that can make a difference of pay for a subscription, just one trade alone, almost in perpetuity compared to the difference in the portfolio value. So hopefully we're adding that. I would say the models come a little bit later. It's a little bit harder to set up all their historical trades. We have import tools right. to help get them going, but I really just focus on where's the advisor needed. So our, our tools very customizable. The depth is definitely there. Charting is, is there. Portfolio analysis, research, all those kind of things are there. Uh, we try to just meet the advisor where they are. So our service comes with full customer support. I'm talking to quarters, um, advisors on a quarterly basis and definitely um, at the very minimum usually. And every new advisor comes on, we're obviously meeting a little bit more and making sure they're set up and going. And of course, we have a full education area with uh, monthly webinars. We put out weekly commentary, daily chart analysis. Uh, we come out with weekly focus videos that quickly kind of focus in on a quick topic and uh, you know, kind of help the advisor know where it is. But Pierre, we just try to meet them where they are and try to identify, maybe it's that cell discipline that Rodrigo was talking about earlier. Maybe it is uh, they want to set up a new strategy and they're trying to find a tactical component in their business. Or maybe it's just, hey, how do I analysis on these certain stocks or I just need a risk management tool. So we have people using us for all various reasons that some people decide up, they need a really powerful scanning tool. Great. We have that and alerts and uh, I can automate a lot of that now as well and looking to, for more ways to automate it. So people that invest in us are investing and hopefully a powerful company that's going to keep putting back into the software, keep improving uh, for the future. And, and that's, we've done, we've launched this new website a year ago, complete, completely rebuilt everything from the scratch added more data in for the advisors. And that's going to be the biggest, I think, addition over the next 12 months is more data, more analysis, more uh, intelligence for the advisors and, and hopefully more efficiency down the road of how to, how to create a strategy easier. That's not an easy task, but we want to help advisors figure that out as much as possible to, to, to make a big difference in their business. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, Paul, talk about, you haven't talked about the, um, ETF and mutual fund analysis tools. Yes. We talked about stocks, but we didn't really get into any of the, uh, ETF selection tools that you, that you feature. Yeah. I probably should have started with this, but this, our system, when we first built it was in, um, didn't have stocks on it at all. We were actually was creating this for the MFD advisor and there was no Canadian mutual fund analysis out there. So there really isn't that much analysis out there. You can get morning stars, five-star ratings or those kind of things. But historically, if it's five-star yeah. rated one year, it's not going to be great the next year, right? So we move a little bit faster than that. Every day we're, we're doing new analysis and uh, we have over 580 reports on our system. And I think some of the most powerful ETF and mutual fund research out there. And it's really hard to do. So we, we do it uh, two different ways, uh, or three different ways, really. We look at it from kind of a broad standpoint. So here's the Canadian equity, all the Canadian equity ETFs kind of in one report and, um, try to again, give a unbiased third party outlook of, of where those opportunities are. We can also do it within a fund company. So let's say somebody has a good relationship with BMO already, or they're a Nesbitt Burns advisor. Well, we come in here and say that, Hey, um, maybe we can help you sell one of the underperforming names like a low vol US equity ETF here and help you find an outperforming ETF like the NASDAQ uh, 100 or, uh, yeah, they have two different NASDAQ ones that have 
greatly outperform those other ones uh, when you compare compare it. So just even a trade like that can make a big difference within their system. Um, and then we could also do it by sector. So this is probably my favorite area. We can look at any of the sectors out there, the CIFSC sectors. We can look at uh, even you know commodities. What's the best commodity um, out there? This is what we're using kind of behind the scenes with our commodity analysis. We're using ETFs to actually look at our asset allocations and some of that. We can quickly come in here and see which commodity we should be looking at if that's an area uh, or segment of our, our um, book of business or if it's just understanding where those best opportunities lie that are going to lead to which stocks I should be at, right? So just that kind of analysis. We do stock sectors, ETF sector analysis too. Um, so I'm kind of just focusing on the Canadian ETF side of things, but we also have over 2,400 US ETFs all ranked in here. And we have all the ETFs. The only things that don't show up in our system right away are the new ETFs that are just launched. So if a, a ESG ETF just launched, there's a lot of them this year. They, they are in our system. We can't rank them. We just, we usually need about a right. year of history before we add them to our reports. Else, you know, it's pretty short-term bias. And even then it is short-term bias when they add it to reports, but um, it's just not really a fair ranking. Sometimes they go to the ball of the report when they shouldn't be. So we just kind of leave them out till they have about a year of history. But this really gives us that idea of, okay, we can quickly answer the question of what area of the market should we be in? And the same thing on the Canadian mutual fund side, we can do it by mutual fund company. Uh, so again, if so it, can you, uh, can you Paul build a, let's say a portfolio a client, uh, an advisor has a new client coming on board. There's a, a, a mishmash of some a mutual funds, a couple of ETFs, a couple of stocks, and, you know, you're an advisor looking at that portfolio through a certain lens. You have a slightly different approach. Can you kind of build the portfolio and compare and contrast uh, two portfolios to help, um, you know, progress the opportunity for the advisor? Is that possible within the software? Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's, I even do that when our advisors are on a trial with us. I'm like, hey, you got a prospect coming in next week? Let me help you land them. Like, if I can help you land a new prospect again, hopefully paying for our software again in perpetuity, depending on how big that advice for that client is. So uh, yeah, I usually ask the question of, you know, what funds are those or what's your current strategy? And we can rank them really quickly in a portfolio um, over here. So these are reports kind of showing all the opportunities out here, but the portfolios, you can have up to 500 portfolios and throw whatever you want in here. So um, I don't know if I have a basket of kind of combined stuff in here, but let's say, they were looking at growth stocks, U.S. and Canada, right? Two different um, things. We can run a matrix uh, really quickly and basically see out of that basket. But yeah, you could throw ETFs, mutual funds, anything that client has. And then you could either compare it to um, what you own as that advisor and what you would be recommending to them. Or you could show them the benchmark even just real quickly. So we throw in the prospects, holdings. And, you know, I train people in five minutes of how to do this. And uh, I guess this is a really big matrix I didn't check before I read it. Um, there we go. It's, yeah, it's huge. Um, then, yeah, then you're able to see, okay, everything above this benchmark that you're trying to outperform, we're going to keep. You know, I'm not going to make a lot of changes, but hey, here's a couple ETFs or something that you're in that are really dragging down your performance. So the advisor, you know, in a matter of minutes can identify that for the prospect, hopefully help make that sale. And again, that's how we talk about helping that advisor grow or or empowering the advisor. It's those kind of efficiency tools where they didn't yeah. do that research in every company and look at every fund company. They could do that later when they're actually looking at selling, but they can make that pitch and, and hopefully land that client a little bit easier. Yeah. 
Can you can you export that into some sort of I guess into a report or a CSV file? Yeah, absolutely. All all the rankings or even without the rankings can be exported into Word, Excel, print, PDF, email, uh, those kind of things. And then we have the ability to automate custom universes. I just showed you all the SI reports that we have, but obviously if you're creating your own strategy, Mike, of value and growth stocks and, and your secret sauce, you can put it in our system and kind of see, okay, what's what's ranked high, what's ranked low, even within your universe, and I'll automate that every day. So that's, that's really what I work with and our staff. Um, we don't have a large staff, but we, we try to reach out and, and help as many advisors as we can. And, and um, again, Paul, I, I think you can't stress enough that, that you know, unlike the uh, fund data tables or Morningstar uh, ratings of, you know, three, four or five stars for a fund or an ETF is, is backward looking, whereas the ratings that you guys are providing, the scoring that you're doing, um, in these tables and others, like your, your ETF tables, uh, are actually forward-looking. Yes. I mean, on, I based on relative, on relative yeah, strength. using yeah. forward estimates or forward, yeah. um, projections or anything like that. We are using their past performance and those, that past performance yeah. and looking at it, but you're right. It's, it's daily. It's not, okay, here's what they did three months ago on their financial reports that have changed a lot. I mean, how useless are quarter one. Uh, outlooks from 2020 compared to quarter two, yeah. right? Like it's just, things have changed so quickly. We can adapt and change along with it. Um, but yeah, they're not necessarily forward looking, but they're, they're kind of a moment in time today. Here's what the rankings are. And then tomorrow you can see all the daily movement within here. This one's at 48 spots because this oil was up uh, on Friday and uh, it's moving up the reports. They're doing something right. So you can help find these opportunities a lot faster. And this might be a shorter term trade. I have no idea. I don't know anything about the company, but it helps you find those positions to do that further research. And again, save you time from looking at 500 companies in the S&P 500 and say, hey, focus on these 15, focus on these five, and we can sort and do all these kind of things. Lots of things to get into. It's a lot of fun, but yeah, try to be efficient with their research is probably one of our core competencies that we're, we're pretty good at. Yeah. So just to clarify, I, I, I said forward, but. It's actually, to be more accurate, it's current and relative. Yeah. Yeah. Real time. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Exactly. <laughs> Good one. Um, Paul, what's your favorite tool of all? Like if, if you had to pick one thing within the SIA shelf, shelf space, what's, what is the single best tool in here that you would universally recommend to anyone in the business? Yeah, I think once they have their system set up, um, the biggest time-saving tool is what we call zone alerts. And it's, um, just bring you a quick example, but basically whatever stock that you're in, um, let's say I'm in Microsoft here and I built my own matrix. Basically, I want to, I want the system to track it for me. So if it falls out, let me know. It emails me saying, hey, this could be a potential sell. So that way I don't have to, if you're on vacation, if you're in um, Grand Cayman Islands, wherever you are, um, whether you're traveling, whether you're uh, just busy with the day-to-day -day meeting with clients or, or whatever else, doing other analysis, this is that kind of AI, that automated system that just helps you understand. So once you set up your uh, analysis, you can just let the system do its work and you just get a daily email saying, hey, Imperial Oil, hit this sell signal or hit this notification that you set up. 
it fell out of that green zone to the to the red zone or to the yellow zone within the report that you're tracking just saves you so much time so we use it for our own strategies we i I don't even look at the reports every day per se i do it for analysis and all the rest of it but uh that way the advisor knows that their core holdings are getting taken care of or their watch list or maybe they're tracking a holding for a prospect and hey when it jumps up here let me know i want to buy this i really like the company or or the opposite. Really, it's more of a sell discipline for us. This is how we do it. We automate it in our, our zone alerts where you can pick any name, any symbol, um, or the whole report universe as well, which I also like. So if you really like a, a universe like TSX 60, I can say, hey, let me know if anything new moves in. It's a buying opportunity. So it can be, we recommend it more as a selling opportunity, but uh, this to us is definitely a, a huge time-saving tool that Again, we use personally and we recommend for everybody that's using our tool. So it automates that whole report process once they have a strategy um, to, to to watch your fourth symbols and, and see if they change. Well, Paul, no one no one could say that we were guilty of killing the lead. This is <laughs> uh this is a pretty cool this is a pretty cool tool because if you know, I know if I was on holiday and and I got an alert, I want to be able to forward it to my client immediately. And, um, you know, and I'm sure the client would appreciate it as well. If, if they, they got the alert, you know, within, within a very, uh, you know, small time frame, so that they could think about it and act on it. Um, that, that, you know, that could also cement your value as an advisor to say, you know, yeah, you said you would do this and now you actually are doing it. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's so many tools in, in the SIA war chest that, that you could, you could turn into high value, um, you know, distinctions for your practice. Uh, I, I still, you know, I have to admit, I still don't know fully how to use this tool because there's so many, there's so many bells and whistles in it. And there's so many things I think, I think early on. I was, I have to say, I was really impressed by the, the sort of the breadth of, of data that you provided across the entire fund universe, the ETF universe, the stock universe. And, um, so anyways, Paul, thank you very much for, uh, for sharing all of that. Um, we should, you know, probably think about doing a regular, uh, sort of monthly roundup of <laughs> yeah, I mean, your best findings. Fun. Yeah. We've talked about that before, but yeah, I think gearing up for it, you know, it would be interesting to do a regular monthly roundup where we could, you know, cover the most interesting findings of each month mm-hmm. to really highlight, you know, the, uh, the, the value of using tools, especially for retail advisors don't tend to invest very much in technology. Yeah, outside of whatever they're being offered within their firms, uh, within their own wirehouses. So guys, do you have any more questions? No, I think we did a pretty good job. I think I would, I would save the, yeah, I'd save the questions. I have a few more questions, but I'm going to save them for when we have Paul back again. I think, uh, we've, we've saturated the, the opportunity to, to learn and, uh, you know, it's been, um, I think it's, it's been a very opportune market for this. There's been lots of breakouts and strong trends. I, you know, having been around the markets a long time, I promise you that like all strategies, things get frustrating at times. 
And it's the having the behavior and the long-term discipline to stick at something like this through multiple cycles that really would add the value. So just, just ringing a little bit of reality for everybody that, you know, if people do embrace this type of thing, it really is sticking through, through the cycles where, you know, you get into bear market and it's going to be the risk management that pay, that saves the day as was shown in, in the go easy chart and some other charts is that, you know, there were, there were times to get out. And those are hard decisions. Mm-hmm. Those were as an advisor, you're realizing tax and you, you may be having some cash. And at those times, sometimes there's just not a lot to do. You know, sometimes there is, sometimes you can rotate to bonds and do some other things, but sometimes it's just, um, you know, it, it, it's uh, shuttering and, and um, preserving and focusing on return of capital rather than return on capital. And, uh, and this, you know, gives a great system and a lens through which to look at that and, and provide discipline across both of those types of, um, uh, regimes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's like you said, it's, it's easier to look back and say, you should have done this. So I, I would love the opportunity oh, yeah. to come on a little bit more and we can analyze things as they go and say, okay, here's a, here's where some of those next opportunities lie. And, um, some of my coworkers are also really good at that as well that we can bring on and include in the future as well. So yeah, I just want to kind of thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about this. I, um, the core of who I am and, and who our company is, is we just want to help advisors, um, hopefully make a bigger difference for their clients and, and, and empower them to make the best decisions they can. So love what you guys are doing as well. And, um, yeah, thanks again for kind of having me on here and thanks. helping me, uh, Talk a little bit about it. Where, where can, where can ever, we're going to ask you one more question but yeah. before we do that. Where can everybody find you? Sure. Where are the, where are the places people can locate you? So our, our head office is in Calgary, but obviously, um, just go to SITurrets.com and learn about us a little bit. If you want kind of, uh, the high level understanding of what we do. And, uh, obviously we have a free trial that you can sign in, uh, three weeks and we'll offer two, um, two online demos so that you can kind of get a quick understanding of some of the things we worked about, uh, talked about today and how it, it's uh, custom for uh, each advisor and how that could relate to you. And then, yeah, where we go, our, our features and plans are listed here. Uh, just kind of a major announcement today. We, we're now launching three different types of plans for different advisors. So uh, we have kind of our pro high end kind of what everybody gets access to right now, $400 a month. And uh, $300 a month if you sign up for kind of an annual commitment. Um, that's including everything on the website that we went through today. Then we have more of a research level. That's just kind of getting the analysis on stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, more of the, again, I don't need the models or the marketing builder or the, the advanced tools on our system. And that's kind of a 250 a month and 200 a month if you're paying annually. And then uh, just an MFDA kind of channel as well called SI Funds. If you just want the ETF and mutual fund research, uh, you can get a discounted rate, basically even cheaper than that, 150, I think, if you pay annually or something. So just some different tiers for advisors to meet them kind of where they're at. Um, and then obviously, uh, we're going to continue invest in building new uh, information in there. So that's uh, something that actually, if you click on our plans, you wouldn't even find today. So if you listen to the end of this podcast, there you go. There's your kind of... Uh, you heard it here for the first. Heard it first. We'll have it up on our website first. And, uh, the code word is snowflake, raise your average. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you get that discount. Yeah. You pay annually, of course. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So one last question, Paul. Yeah. 
So would you rather question? Would you rather spend a week in the past or spend a week in the future and why? Oh, we all have that week in the past. We have that like one regret. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, the closest I was to make an Olympic team and just pulled a muscle in my leg the day before trials. And if I could go back and not do that, that would have been, uh, pretty awesome. So that's the first thing that jumped in my mind, but of course, going to the future and seeing where we are with, for better or worse would be absolutely amazing. So that's, uh, I think would be my answer. Cause I try to live without regrets and keep going forward, but yeah, going to the future and seeing, uh, for better or worse you could get that kind of knowledge and bring it back and make the world a better place. I think that's probably a pretty cop-out answer, but that's, that'd be the truth. <laughs> All There's right. No cop-out answer. That's fine. <laughs> no, you know what? Yeah. What usually happens is you, you wind up in a paradox. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Time travel always ends in a yeah. paradox. <laughs> All right. Paul, thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks.